Welcome, Dennis, to the Wildly Successful Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Nermeen, and I am joined by someone very awesome that you absolutely have to meet and hear from. Today, we have David Hearn, our valuations expert. David, welcome. Thank you, Nermeen. I'm humbled to be here. Awesome. So, David, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, and what made you want to go into valuations? It feels like so many numbers. Um, well, where to start? Let's see. Uh, as far as wanting to go in, um, I feel like this was something kind of that I was called to do. So, uh, when I was in undergrad, I actually had uh, a couple internships in valuation specifically, which was extremely rare at the time to have any kind of direct exposure. Um, the traditional uh, career path is a lot of people that do what I do were working in usually a, a large public accounting firm, traditionally CPA route, auditor tax. Um, I'm no different than that, um, where I graduated from undergrad, went into taxation, um, got the CPA license, and then fell back in, but I am rare in that before I fell back in, I had a stop in investment banking, and then I'm rare in that I was directly exposed through internships and undergrad. Um, and so, yes, it is a lot of numbers, but that's what uh, motivates me to get up every day um, and, and help people that aren't necessarily numbers people start to understand how to paint their story through those numbers. And that's a big reason actually why our company name is so fair. Um, it's Hebrew for scribe and counter. And so when you take them together, it actually means that you're, you're, you're good with numbers and, and uh, storytelling. Um, but we want that to be a non-fictional story, obviously. Um, and um, a little bit about me, I'm a Georgia native, um, went to Georgia Tech, married my college sweetheart. I've got three kids, um, started the company um, three years ago, actually this month. And, um, and it's been very nice to, um, kind of explain to people how um, we're not just, you know, valuing gazelle firms, you know, companies that are growing at, you know, double digit growth rates for multi years, but, but we can empathize with them because we're also a gazelle, a gazelle firm. And so it brings a level of empathy, empathy through the valuation that we're doing and that we're practicing a lot of what we preach ourselves. Hi doctors and welcome. My name is Nermeen Jasani, and I'm a lawyer turned dental practice consultant, and this is the Wildly Successful Dental Practice Podcast. I help dental practice owners like you create a wildly successful dental practice, one where they're not just the associate in their practice, but they're also the CEO. I abhor hacks or gimmicks, and I believe and practice business fundamentals and proven business strategy. There is no one size fits all strategy. Everything needs to be tailored to your unique dental practice, practice specialty area, and revenue goals. This is not about feelings. This is about numbers and making data-driven decisions to grow your practice. Let's get drilling on this episode. Awesome, awesome. I love that you said that, David. So. Uh, there's so many important things that you said there. So number one, congratulations on your company being three years old. That's a really big deal. And for all the, you know, dental practice owners on this podcast, you probably know that like three years was like a special year, right? Like the two year, first two years, you're just like, this sucks. Why did I do this? I should just go back to corporate. And now you're like, you know what? No, we got this. Like, this is great. Like now you're just sort of used to 
all the things that you know come with being a business owner so congratulations on that the next thing i wanted to go into was and i say this as well which is your numbers from your business tell a story and we want to know what story they're telling right so david when you're looking at a business and you're seeing numbers can you tell us like an example of like a story that they might tell that might be different from what the business owner thinks the story is so yeah you've uh, the last part of your comments is uh tricky you know because many times you know and i jokingly you'll um, talk about valuation and I'll, I'll tell people that, hey, you know, what does a business valuation expert and a specialist do? And I'll joke and say that really what we're in the business of doing daily is to um, tell people whether their baby is really beautiful or maybe has some areas of improvement, we'll say. Um, <laughs> I'm a little more direct in saying whether they're ugly or things like that, but um, but it's, but it's the truth, you know, we, we've spent so much energy to build these businesses. They really are like our, our you know, so much of our self-identity and, and it is a lot like, um, you know, the love for a child, for example. And so, you know, that's a delicate conversation that, that we have to have. Um, so typically we'll see usually a, an owner who has perhaps somewhat of an inflated value sense. Um, Sometimes it's just from uh, discussions with friends where maybe they've seen uh, a buddy's uh, practice sold and that derived a certain multiple. And so they automatically think, well, I have a similar practice, so I am automatically worth the same, you know, from a, from a multiple perspective. And, and that's not always the case. You know, no, you, you could have two identical businesses next door to one another, roughly similar in size and have two different answers. And for a lot of people, that's hard for them to understand. And it's because each company could have totally different risk characteristics to them, um, even if they were the same size, for example. Um, and so we've got to do the hard work, which is to figure out what would a buyer perceive as risky um, with this business and, or attractive in this business. And that will start to give us a sense of where in a range of multiples a particular practice would would yield or want. Yeah, I love what you just said there. So, okay, for all you dentists who are listening into this, you might want to listen a little bit closely because one of the things that we all know that you do is you talk to your buddy who just sold his or her practice and they're telling you what they got. And all of a sudden you're starting to compare in that moment. You're like, okay, it's a it's a two doctor practice, you know, the owner and then an associate and three, you know, dental assistants and two hygienists. That's the same thing I have. My area might be a little bit bigger, but typically the same office size. So yeah, I should get exactly what that person got. Let me put my thing on the market now. Let me go ahead and get some experts in to come and do evaluation. And then they're shocked when it's not the same number. So, so David, I know you're kind of talking about the multiples and like, you know, what the risk factors are, but what are some of the things that might result in, you know, the same kind of practice from the surface that once you start to dig deep is not the same practice? So an easy one that I would point out is there's an adage uh, in the m and world um, where it's not what you make, uh, it's what you take. And when they say it, what you make, 
that's talking about revenue or sales, you know, gross. Some people say the word gross, right? Um, and so we could have two different dental practices that have the same revenue. So in theory, their size is identical, right? They're both million dollar practices, for example. Um, but in reality, they could both have totally different margins. So that's the what you take part. And in valuation world, now there's some exceptions, certain industries like technology companies could be a violation of what I'm gonna talk about. But you know, Pareto principle, 80-20 rule. 80% of the companies are under this adage where it's an earnings story. And, and yes, revenue is a part of that and it's important to have you know, customers, and I'm sure we're gonna talk patients you know, in this case, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but, but, it's, but it's the margin really that's more important from a buyer's perspective because ultimately, if they pay you any number, how are they gonna recoup that money? They don't recoup it from the sales, they recoup it from what's left over um, after paying off everything, right? And so, so, you know, again, that's an easy example where two different practices, equal in size, number of employees, it's, you know, even number of patients, but, you know, same sales, but, but totally different margins in the way they're being managed or practice, um, or even the types of services they're offering that could result in different margins and thus different valuations. Exactly. And so I'll just add some sort of some additional color here. So it could be that your friend who sold their practice, maybe they had uh, dental assistants and hygienists who they were paying like the bare minimum to. And you, on the other hand, pay a lot more money to. So that's directly going to affect your take home, right? Maybe maybe your friend takes home 50%, you know, as their take home and yours is at 30% because of varying factors. So that's what a buyer essentially is looking at and that's what you're looking at when you're coming and doing the valuation is how much are you keeping, doctor? Correct. Yeah, that, and again, that's just one small piece, right? Yeah. You know, when, when a company of any kind is valued, not just dental practice, you know, there, there's kind of two main formulas. One, we've already been hitting on when, when you hear the word multiples, you know, really that's just an answer times a metric. So I always analogize things to real estate because most business owners have bought homes before or sold homes. So price per square foot, you know, and then you apply that price that the market is dictating to a certain type of property, to your type of property, depending on how much square foot your thing is, right? Well, in our world, you know, with, with dental practices, that, that price per square foot is really a price to earnings and then the number you multiply is your earnings, right? That's a market approach. We're, we're letting a market-derived metric, you know, that would then be applied to our subject company. But there's a whole other methodology that's commonly used called a discounted cash flow method, where it's about projected future earnings, right? You know, I could, and the, the example I'll give people, and I really take it to an extreme, is let's say you had a, a massive decamillionaire type practice. And year after year, you know, millions and millions of dollars, right? But but it all came from one patient, and you were just notified yesterday that that patient has said no, I'm goodbye. You know, I'm not coming back. Your future expected earnings right now is not the tech is not the deck of millions, right? It's it's now potentially zero unless you you know do something about it. And so what people often don't realize is how much future expectations are extremely important in coming up with a value at any particular date. And I'll also have people think about turning on Bloomberg or CNBC or Fox Business. Those stock prices are moving up and down like little Rocky Mountains. 
because of any given minute or second's future expectations of that company. And so it's, it's no different for a private company. It's just not there. There's not just this active market to show you that price. You need to partner with specialists like us in order to help you derive what's what's the right value with your unique, you know, not just margins, but growth rates, you know, that are expected, um, you know, at any given point in time. Okay, so that's a really, really great description. And like all this information that you've just given us. Now, if there's a dentist that's like, okay, I'm thinking about selling, I'm getting really tired, or maybe someone's approached them, when should they pick up the phone and call someone like you? When do they know, let me get my business valued? So this is almost a question about traditional finance versus behavioral finance, uh, the way I hear it. And so the, the traditional finance answer is well in excess before they're ready or even thinking about selling. Um, you know, it, but knowing the world and psychology, you know, that doesn't always happen. And so the behavioral finance is answer is as soon as possible that you know that you're ready or thinking because the, the rationale is, you know, a lot of people come to us and they'll view the valuation as basically a scoreboard. At any moment, they're gonna evaluate a decision, whether it's to sell or anything with involving their business, but they need to know the score to decide, well, how do I respond? In reality, the earlier you get us involved, that valuation can actually, if it's done right, should really not be a scoreboard, but should be a roadmap. Because then, thanks to time, we have the ability if we want to and have the wherewithal and time to make changes to that business. And changes in a business are almost like the little tugboat pulling a huge tinker ship. It takes time to bear out the financials and it takes time to give a buyer comfort that the changes you made really worked. And so to me, the short answer is it's gotta be the sooner the better. Yeah, I love what you just said, David. And you know, I like to give people like certain trigger points on when they might want to consider getting a valuation. So would you say that if you are buying a practice, how often should you get that practice valued? Every five years, every seven years, major birthday milestones? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So I believe every company, regardless of type, should you know many of them done right are managing to sales and then better ones are managing the margin like we've been ending at but in reality every business should actually be managing to sell whether they have any intention to sell at all and what that really means is enterprise value which is our fancy way of saying the market value of your firm and so to me you know again traditional finance behavioral finance the textbook answer is annual assessments in order for you to, you know, just like your financials, once a year, you're doing a benchmark to see, well, how did we do this year? To me, your, your enterprise value analysis should be no different. So the textbook answer is, is an annual thing. Now, behavioral finance, you know, and, and things like budgets and practicality, maybe it's a, you know, a two-year cycle. You know, every practice is a little different. I would tell you 12 months is the, is the average, but we have plenty of people that are, that are doing it on a, you know, a, a, an every other year type thing, again, to make sure that the things they're doing is leading to transferable value. Okay, so now if I'm a dental practice owner and some of you who are listening to this are like, okay, so here's the expert and he's telling me I've got to get my business valued 
every year or at least every two years like that's just good behaviors to adopt in the business now as a practice owner i'm probably also thinking oh i'm a little bit scared and i'm also thinking oh what's this going to cost me so what do you say to practice owners like that to help them sort of get over the hump of yeah it's 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 a small dollar amount now, but you know, it's, it's going to lead to bigger things. What do you typically say to them? I mean, there is flexibility. So, you know, if you are very far out from a potential sale, you could do longer durations before you do your assessments. And then as you get closer, ideally no less than five years, then maybe you move to an annual in order to make it more palatable. But the closer you get to that ultimate exit horizon, the more prudence it is to be doing this. Because again, if you don't have time, then you're not going to be able to make changes. And at best, you're just trying to pretty up, you know, the thing um, and put lipstick on it. And that doesn't always work out in your favor like you want it to. An easy example, business owners hate paying taxes. They don't want to do it. They have a motive to maybe look less profitable than they really are from a tax perspective. But then what happens is they're ready to sell and they want to have their cake and eat it too. And we need to have enough time in order to have a transition period where maybe we're being a little less aggressive on one end in order for us to maximize sale value on the other. Yes, and I think what you said is just so important and it highlights one of the things I say to business owners all the time, which is, listen, as valuation experts, as anyone who's looking at your business from the outside, we can only look at what is on paper that's already been done that's official. So that includes tax returns, that includes bank statements. Projections are nice to have, but they're not as official as a tax bill from you know the last three years or your tax statements from the last three years. So whatever you do, exactly what you said show what you actually made in the practice instead of trying to show less and then pay taxes less because it's only going to hurt you on the other side when you are trying to sell in the near future especially if you know you want to sell in the near future hi doctors just a quick note here from nermeen i know you're busy running your practice and i know you know that there's a lot that you could be doing to grow it i want you to know that i'm here to help and i'd love to chat with you for 30 minutes so we can talk about your practice goals and your practice vision. I also know that you might be a little nervous to work with a consultant, especially because they tend to charge a lot and they wanna work with you for these long-term contracts. I'm not like that at all. And if after talking for 30 minutes, you decide that you wanna work in just a small bite-sized way, we can do that through a day of strategy and it's exactly what it sounds like, it's a day and we work together for five days and then i check in with you after 30 days and then after 60 days to see how things are going so no long-term commitments no overpriced consulting here just good old strategy to grow your practice your way if you're interested take a look at the link below and you'll be able to schedule a call with me to talk about the day of strategy I look forward to helping you. Well, again, like your patients are coming to you, for example, for cleaning, right, every year. And the goal with those are to catch things early, right? So we don't need big procedures done, right? And so evaluation is a much analogized to that, right? It's a checkup for your practice. It's a way to catch things early. So the dollars that you have to spend to fill that cavity or fix that problem in your business is much less 
than having to fix very large substantial problems that could develop later. Yeah, I, I love that you just gave us a nice little dental analogy that I'm sure all the dentists will definitely be able to relate to. So now when it comes to sort of, I like always sharing horror stories on what people see in this world. Do you have a horror story on evaluation that didn't go as planned or documents that weren't there or just sort of things that you see as a professional in this space that you're like, okay, listen, please don't do this. What are some things that you don't want dental practice owners to do when they're getting ready to this selling stage, this valuation stage and bringing in very qualified experts? Uh, one is to go alone, right? There's a quote uh, I was told once where if you want to go fast, you go alone, but if you want to go far, you go together. Mm -hmm. And so one is to sort of don't have this guys that bringing in lots of professionals that specialize in this is, is bad. But, you know, don't, don't try and sort of, you know, save a nickel and lose a dollar, right? Having mm -hmm. uh, people around you is only going to assist you in this and, and almost always I see it as having a positive ROI for the for the practice owner. Um, but to answer your question more specifically from a horror, horror story, most of them revolve around a central theme around a concept known as personal goodwill. And this is a common problem with a lot of professional services practices, even in my own company and even potentially yours, where too much reliance is on the owner in the business. Those patients, for example, they're not coming, you know, they, they come to see one particular doctor, for example, right? And so the, the, where things go wrong and where there's very wide chasms where from expectation versus reality is because the business is too reliant on that owner and they haven't either implemented technology or processes or involved other docs or other employees in order to offload things off their shoulders. And so then even if they've got the right revenue and got the right earnings and on paper they look good, from a buyer's vantage point, it's super risky that they're worried as soon as this doctor steps away or dentist or you know, you know, fill in the blank, you know, um, type of, of um, you know, specialist, uh, the patients will flee. And so for buyers, they want sticky patient relationships, right? Sticky teeth are bad, but sticky patient relationships are not bad. They are really valuable from the buyer's perspective. And so the fear is, again, around the risk of that key employee, usually the owner. So the more things they can do in advance to, to pull duties off them, even if it's lower level things that they could, you know, even offload through, you know, admin, you know, admins, you know, different types of employees, you know, and then slowly work your way up. It's the most ironic thing that by firing ourselves, in theory, we're creating the most value, right? And it's hard to do because we love doing the work and we want to be in it. You know, I love the numbers, but, but in, in theory, if I want to create transferable value, I need to create processes, structures, and people and scale where it's not so reliant on me in order to get what I want. Yeah, and I will, I'm going to sort of drill down a little bit on this point here. So, Let's say you are in a two-person practice and you have a hygiene team as well. So it's you as the owner, you've got an associate, and then you've got a hygiene team. One of the things that you know, someone who's coming in and looking at this and you as the practice owner should start looking at right now is 
how what percentage of the monthly production are you responsible for if you are more than 50 percent responsible like if every month your practice makes a hundred thousand and you contribute fifty thousand of that in production and everyone else is only 25 and 25 what david and i are saying is you're gonna want to find some way for someone else to be able to take those responsibilities on. Maybe you bring on another associate. Maybe you start handing off some of these tasks to that associate so that it's not just tied to you because anyone else, any other practice owner that's gonna wanna come in and buy it, they're gonna be a little bit worried that these patients are just used to you. And we all know that when there is a practice merger, there's always going to be attrition of patients because they don't like the new location. They, you know, were already on their last, you know, straw with that dentist that's now retiring, whatever the case may be, you want to make sure that for the patients who you are essentially, you know, merging the practice with, you try to lessen the attrition rate. You want to maximize the number of patients that are staying on with you. And this is one of the ways that you can do it is by making sure that it doesn't just come down to you, that your hygiene is incredibly involved. You've got a great front desk so that they're not just connected to you. You're not the only reason they're coming to the practice. They're coming to the practice because of everything, because of the location, because of the parking, because of the nice office, because your friendly front desk, because you send text message reminders and phone call reminders things like that so that they're connected to the practice and not you, Dr. Smith, or whatever your name might be. You nailed the you know, assumption that matters most, which is around either attrition rate or retention rate, you know, they're inverses of each other. You know, and, and buyers are gonna have a trust but verify. They're gonna say, okay, I hear you, I see that you've done these things, but prove it, right? You know, you can't manage what you don't measure. So if you're not already track, you can't just tell a buyer, oh, we have a 90 something percent of retention rate. You have to show them, right? We need, a buyer's gonna say, hey, I'm gonna enter a diligence period, just like if I buy your home. I get a period to go in there and inspect that bad boy. Well, same thing with the business. They're gonna pull revenue by patient reports for as many years as possible, five, seven years to see is what you're saying true in the numbers, right? Does that bear it out? And so, you know, it's not just making those changes, but tracking this data in advance. So when a buyer asks you for information, it doesn't take you six weeks to pull the information together. You've got to look sophisticated and have the information ready so they feel like, you know, the, the trust level really is there and the confidence. Yeah, exactly, exactly. David, anything else that you want to add in that the dentist should be doing, shouldn't be doing? Any last words you want them to remember? We've talked about attrition, right? Stickiness of patient base. We've talked about margin, which is extremely important. Benchmarking yourself versus your peers. Again, because if you can show that you have higher margin versus your peers, okay, well now we've got an argument for a higher multiple, right? Um, we haven't talked about recurring nature of revenue. Um, so thinking about services you have that are re um, repeatable um, it is very ideal um, versus kind of ad hoc services. Um, or transactional related services. Um, so a recurring revenue um, perspective, buyers love um, seeing that. And that's another way to increase your multiple. And then thinking about all your services and, and showing differences of margin between those services and a, and a um, sort of intentionality to manage to those higher margin services. 
Um, those would be some lasting comments on thinking about your practice. Yeah, David, that's such an important point. So this is one of the things that I say often, which is I think that there's a lot of noise around getting new patients, right? Got to get new patients, got to get new patients. But really, you don't then want to abandon the patients that are already there that are coming into your practice regularly every six months for cleanings. And then during the cleanings, we all know that hygiene is where you find the work, right? Hygiene is where you find the root canal, the cavity that turned into the root canal, the tooth that broke, the wisdom teeth that needs to be taken out. Like all of these things are things that you can find in hygiene. So by making sure that you're not just focusing on marketing to new patients and oh, being on the new patient hamster wheel, you also wanna make sure that you're taking care of the patients who are already coming to you because that is where the valuation, that's one of the most important metrics for evaluation of a practice is how many of them are coming, how many of them are coming back to you, how many you know, procedures are they getting done with you every single year besides just hygiene. So I love that you just highlighted that, David. That was really important. Yeah, my head immediately goes to, you know, it's more expensive to acquire a new customer than, than to serve, you know, continue to sell the existing, right? Which fits on what you're talking about, and I totally agree. Um, and, and again, buyers are going to want to see this, you know, information, right? Is, is you know, how are you marketing? Are you, you know, spending, where does your marketing dollar go further, right? On new or, or existing? Um, and I agree with you that in general, you know, the existing route is definitely going to be a, a less expensive way to make, you know, more money for your buck. Yeah, that's perfect. All right. Well, David, this was such a great conversation. Where can people reach you? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you and talk to you more about valuing their dental practice? Uh, our website is, is www.sofaradvisors.com. Um, we have offices here in Atlanta and Nashville, but we work with clients all over the U.S. Um, my mobile is listed on our website. You know, service is one of the ways we compete. And so, you know, you do get access to, to me and our full team um, working with us, but we're on all the major platforms on LinkedIn and Facebook. And um, so hopefully it is not difficult to find us and um, we'll certainly share information with our needs so she can post it to the podcast. To the, uh, yes, so all links for David and his team will be below. And I just want to highlight, he just said, that he gives his cell phone number on the website. Yes, that is so important. Look, I know so many valuation experts out there. You know, there's very large companies that we know do this work for dental practices, but I guarantee you they're not calling up their valuation advisor. They're going through some 1-800 number or the only place that they can talk to this person is through email. So I love what you just said, David. That is so important. Service is so important. So thank you for highlighting that. I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me again today. Of course. All right, everyone. Um, all of David's information will be below. Thank you so much for listening in, and we'll be back with another episode. Bye. Hey, how are you guys today? So really what Insperity does is we help businesses by taking off a lot of the headaches of being an employer of people. And I know that sounds like a tough nut to crack, which is why I'd love for you to give me a buzz so we can talk about it. But really we help you drive your business by mitigating risk uh, from being, again, the employer of people. So focus on the big things like being a dentist.